So I want to talk a little bit more around this whole idea of groups because I am passionate about groups as well. And I want to kind of, I'm going to talk about six reasons for us to be involved in a group, okay? Some I'll spend a little bit of time on, some it'll be very quickly, but why should I be involved in a group? And the first thought is, I'm really glad you asked that question actually, why should I be involved? The first thought is, it's a biblical pattern. It's actually the way that when, the, when in the New Testament, when the church was birthed, there, there was essentially two things that the church consistently did. And if we look at Acts chapter 2, verse 46, if we could put that up on the screen, Acts chapter 2, verse 46, it says this, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple, that was the church building where they all gathered, and then breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. So the, the Bible pattern for the church was this, that we'd gather together all together in one place and then we'd meet in, in smaller groups on, a, on an ongoing basis because there's things that you can do in a smaller group that you can't do when we're all together. Build relationship, learn from one another, encourage one another, all sorts of things. So that's the first reason I love groups. It's a Bible pattern. The second is very simply this, is it helps me stay motivated. I don't know about you, but I, have, I, I go on um, zones of motivation in my Christian walk, and there's other times where I just, I, I just kind of get a little bored, I can get into a rut, I can lose my, my sort of zone and zeal. Who's ever lost your zeal for a little while? Come on, be real. And so, so here's the thing, I've, I've worked out that if you want a coal to stay on fire, then you've got to keep it connected to the other coals. If you take that coal away from the fire, then that coal is just going to go out on its own. And I don't want to go out, and I don't want you to go out. And so the Bible tells us in this in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. It says this, Let us think of ways to motivate one another. Who needs a bit of motivation every now and then? Come on, we all do. To acts of love and good works. Next verse says this in verse 25. Oh, uh, it actually says, so let's not forsake the gathering of one another, but do it all the more. So basically it's saying the way to stay motivated is to gather together. I, I, uh, years ago, I was beginning my fitness or getting back into fitness because I became a dad and I became a bit of a slob and I, didn't, I, I watched my kids play sport, but I didn't watch it anymore. And I started to lose my fitness. And I thought, I've got to get started again. So I simply, I, I thought, well, I'll just take baby steps. I'll go for a walk. That, that was, you know, no judgment here. So I started to go for a walk on a regular basis and I was starting to get in the habit of walking. But because, you know, before you can run, you need to walk, right? Okay, so I'm walking. And so then I get to a conference and I'm, I'm in this conference and I'm in a break. It's a, a pastor's conference. And I decide, okay, I, I need to go to the gym and I'll get on a treadmill because it was raining and I'll walk. So I go, there, I go there and I go to this gym. But rookie mistake, it was filled with pastors who were all working out full tilt. And so I went in there, and then one of my really close friends who's a pastor of Bridgman Downs, Pastor Andrew McGruder, he's in there, he's on the treadmill, and I go and I jump on the treadmill beside him, and he's running, he's jogging. Now, I'm slightly competitive. Slightly. And so he's, he's jogging on the treadmill. Now, I haven't jogged for years. Okay, the only jogging I've done is chasing the kids around the backyard, that kind of thing. And so he, 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 I hop on the treadmill, he's there, and I'm like, there's no way I'm going to walk 
Well, he jogs. It's just, there's no way. So I looked over and I saw the speed that he had his, his jogging thing on. I thought, I'll put mine on the same. And I'll just, I'll just start to jog. And I'm just, so I'm just talking away as if this is very normal for me. Just going for a run, going for a run. And you know what? I found it actually wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. I just, some, somehow, something had got in my head that this was going to be really hard. And so I just, I just jogged away and I watched him and I'm jogging away. Like, I do this all the time. I, you know, all the time I'm running. And, and afterwards, this is what it did. Running beside him motivated me to run. And then I came home and immediately, instead of walking, I just, I just kicked straight into another gear and I began running. And what it took me to get motivated to do something that I wanted to do, which was get fit, was to run beside someone. Why I love groups is because so often you want, you want to be on fire for God. You want to go strong. You want to stay, you, you know, we, we have this desire. I want, I want to be emotionally healthy. There's all these things I want to do, but I just need someone beside me to help motivate me, to help push me, to help encourage me. And I love being part of a group because that's what other people are going to do for me. I love being part of a group and I want you to be part of a group because your leader, if you're part of a group, has made a commitment to pray every day for you by name. I love this. I love this strength of our church. So there are about 80 leaders in our church who every day will go through and pray for your needs, pray for, uh, thank God for you, pray for God's blessing to be on your life. And I'm telling you, when, if, when there is a difference when someone's praying for you, you'll notice the difference in your life. And that's because you made this, the, the decision and step to be part of a group. Uh, the, the fourth thing, there's six of them here. There's four things that I love and there's lots more. But you will make significant friends when you make the decision to be part of a group. Now, not everyone in the group is going to become your BFF for life. Okay, not everyone. Some will actually rub you the wrong way. That is not enough reason to leave the group. Because sometimes we need to be rubbed the wrong way to actually grow, to have grace, to learn to forgive. To, to realize that maybe I'm rubbing somebody else the wrong way because they're annoying me and maybe I'm annoying somebody else and maybe I can look in the mirror and change some of my behavior. Who knows what I'm talking about? Who's got someone who, no, I was gonna say rubs you the wrong way. No, no, don't, say, don't put your hand up. But here's the thing. Even though you make that commitment to be part of it, you will discover, like uh, Josh said earlier, you'll make lifelong friends. When I was 19 years old, I was part of a, a youth and young adult group, and, and we, made it, we, we just wanted to sort of pursue God with all of our heart. So every Saturday morning at 6 o'clock in the morning, I was part of a prayer group. And this young, this young adults group of guys, anywhere between uh, 18 and 25, would gather together. Sometimes there'd be five, sometimes there'd be, there'd be 20 of us. And we'd gather together and we'd pray and we'd, learn to, we'd prophesy over each other. We'd learn to move in God's uh, spiritual gifts over each other. And then we'd go out and we'd hang out. And I look back at that period of time as one of the richest periods of my t- of, in, my, in my life on, in terms of spiritually. And I made particularly two mates that are still in my best mate group today in that particular group. Now, did I know that was going to happen? No, I just went along to grow, to learn, to, to push into God. But the benefit that I got of it, out of it was, was I actually, one of them I ended up, I ended up living with both of them here on the coast. One of them I ended up marrying his sister. Uh, became one of my best mates. So how many people know that good things come out of groups? Come on, good things come out of groups. You just never know who you might meet at a group. You might, you're lifelong friends. And they might not be people like you. They might actually be quite different to you. They might be not the kind of people that you'd normally hang out with. 
But God can do something quite remarkable when we get together with others and, and it's like, well, we, you know, naturally we're on different planets, but actually there's this link that God's got for us where we're going to connect together over the purposes of God for our life. You will make significant lifelong friends out of making a commitment to a group. Okay, number five is this. You'll grow spiritually. It, it just, you know, you can, it's quite easy to come to church and whether you grow or not, really, often it, it determines. You can hear messages and not necessarily apply them. But when you get into a group, something happens. There's this kind of accountability. There's the, what happens is you hear about how one person heard a particular message and how that's changed their life. And, and you, when you look at Jesus, the majority of the training that he did was, was one of two things. Either he preached to the crowd or he gathered with a group of disciples around a table. And you'll find that table talk is one of the most powerful ways that we grow in our Christian life. When we're around, we're around a table, we're in a lounge room, we're praying for one another. The first time that, that many people learned to pray out loud was, will be in a small group. The first time that many people learn to use their spiritual gifts in terms of praying and prophesying and healing will be in a small group. The first time that many people learn to share what God's been saying to, to you will be in a small group. And it will accelerate your spiritual growth. Rather than being a listener, you'll be a contributor. And it will speed up your spiritual growth. And then number six is this, and I want to land on this for a little, the, the next 10 minutes, is if you're part of a small group, uh, you can actually make a significant, significant difference for other people. A significant difference for other people. See, there are, if, if I think about it, there are milestones in your Christian journey that are very significant. Okay, the first major milestone is when you make a decision that I want God to come in my life because I was created for a relationship with God. That, that moment where you say, okay, I'm not going to do this alone anymore. There's something's missing. I've been searching and I realize there's something missing and you make that connection. That's the major milestone. For you here tonight, maybe tonight's going to be the night where you make that decision to connect to God. You open up your heart and say, oh, I realize that something's missing and I can see this life and joy in people all around this place. I've seen the transformation in people's lives and I can't put it down to anything except God. And you know what? God wants a relationship with you. And He's here tonight for you to make that decision to invite Him into your life. And we're going to do that in about 10 minutes, okay? So that's, that's a major milestone. There are some other major milestones. Uh, water baptism, major milestone. Getting baptized in the Holy Spirit and learning to speak in tongues, major milestone. When a person makes a commitment that the first day of the week I'm going to be in church, when you make that decision that God will be first in my week, major milestone. When you make a decision to tithe, because God's going to come first in your money, major milestone. But here, here's one that I find particularly significant, and this is when we realize that my Christian, that I'm not coming to church for me only, but I'm actually coming to church for somebody else. I'm not part of a group for me only. I'm, pa I'm part of a group for what it can do for someone else. This little switch, and here's the thing, the lie is, wait till you're perfect. Wait till you've got your stuff together. Wait till you've sorted out and become the emotionally healthy person. That's, the lie is when you, you know, the problem with that is it's a little bit like Ebony said before, you want that next pair of boots. You want that next pair of boots, all right? The lie, it's like, oh, but I'm not quite, I'm not quite together yet, so I'll, I'll wait until I've got my stuff together and then I'll try and help other people. 
actually, when you make the decision that I'm going I'm to live above my problems to help other people, that's the fastest way to deal with your own problems. Because you're not making it about you, you're making it about others. And so I want us to look at this story in Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. It's, this story is also in the Gospel of Luke. And it's just, we'll read it here, Mark 2, and it says, And again, he entered Capernaum after some days. I've been to Capernaum on the edge of the Sea of Galilee. Danielle and I visited the house that they say this is where this happened, okay? And it was heard, they think this was Simon Peter, Jesus' disciples' house where he would live and his mother-in-law lived there, okay? And they heard that Jesus was in the house. Now, first thing I want you to know is that when we gather in someone's home, Jesus loves to show up in someone's home. He doesn't just show up at church. He shows up in homes. Okay, that's the first thing. Keep going to verse 2. So they heard that Jesus was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. I love it when, you're, when your small group grows and you're like, you know, there's people on the floor and there's people on cushions and they're hanging out. And it's like, you know, when you're, you know you're a good Christian when you look to rent or buy a house that's got room for your small group. That, that's, that's the sign that like the house must have a group, a room to look after other people. That, that, when that decision-making process is in your head, you're like, okay, now I'm thinking about other people. That's a good sign, okay? Uh, and he preached the word to them. Here, here we go. So when we gather in groups, the central thing that will transform people's life is our love, the presence of Jesus, and the truth of his word. His word is what will bring light and transformation. So they preach the word to them. Next verse. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. Okay, so the, the, the house is packed. There's so many people there. But these guys heard that Jesus was there. The, the Bible in Luke uh, tells us that the power of God was present to heal. See, it's not just at church that the power of God is present. When we gather in homes in the name of Jesus, where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst. And so there was healing power. They heard about it, and four guys decided, it's not about me, it's about somebody else. And so they got a hold of this paralytic on a stretcher, and they carried him to, their, to this house because they wanted a miracle for him. Now, next verse. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they got up on the roof. These guys are determined. They literally climbed up on the roof because in those days there'd be a flat roof and there'd be stairs to the roof. So they went up to the roof and they peeled back whatever was, was the, what the roof was made of. Uh, and when they broke through the roof, they let down the bed. They got some rope. They lowered him on a bed. I mean, you've got to picture that. You've got to imagine right now, this place was so packed that someone couldn't get in. They got up on the roof. We're you hear they're like they're undrilling the Caliban sheets. And everyone, and that like stuff was starting to fall from the roof. And while I'm preaching, you're all like looking up there, and I'm preaching, looking up there, and I'm preaching. And then all of a sudden, you start to see this guy on a stretcher being lowered down with four ropes. And then everyone's freaking out that they do it at the same time, right? Because if one person lowers it at the wrong time, we're going to have paralytic on the floor, and like, boom, from the top. That would not be cool. So they're like, lower him down, lower him down. Like, he's coming down. And Jesus, like, Jesus is there talking. No one's got a lot of faith in the room. There's a lot of religious people. And on the inside, like, Jesus is like, this is the disruption that we needed. Someone's got some faith here. This is awesome, okay? And they lower him down until he's sitting right in front of Jesus and this crowded room. Next verse. And here we go. This is what I love. 
when Jesus saw their faith. Not his faith. When Jesus saw the four friends' faith, he, says, he said, son, your sins are forgiven you. And you can read the story in Mark chapter 2 or Luke or even Matthew. And it goes on and he forgave him of his sins. And then out of the forgiveness of his sins, he healed him. He got up, he rolled up his bed and he walked. And it was a major miracle moment. But here's the deal. The major miracle moment wasn't because he had faith. Is because four friends decided my faith is not about me. My faith is about my friend. My faith is about someone who needs God. I'm not going to the house for me. I'm going to carry someone to the house. Now, you get, you, we might know some friends who are, who are crippled. Uh, they might be crippled physically or by some sort of sickness. But people can be crippled in life by all sorts of things. People can be crippled by loneliness. I preached this morning about an epidemic that's happening in the Western world right now. It's called a loneliness epidemic. Uh, eight out of 10 Australians consider themselves to be more, more lonely than they were uh, years ago. Uh, there's 20% of people consider themselves to be chronically lonely all the time. There's an increase in loneliness in, in younger people. We're more connected through technology, but we're actually more isolated. And so people can, in their lives, that can become so crippling that they can't even function properly and what, ha what our, we've got friends who need someone to go well I'm not going to leave you stuck in your loneliness I'm going to get in my car I'm going to drive you to church I'm going to drive you to small group because it's not about me anymore it's about somebody else people can be crippled by loneliness crippled by fear crippled by depression crippled by no having no purpose crippled by anxiety over and over the, the issues of loneliness in our age are mental health issues and you know what? The answer will be found in Christ, in community. In Christ, in community. And I, I want to ask us tonight, just as the band comes on, comes on up, have you gotten to the point where your spiritual journey is no longer just about you? Oh, that was a beautiful sound on the keys. Are you at the point where your spiritual journey is no longer about you, but it's about somebody else? Do you want to supercharge your spiritual walk? Start to make it about somebody else. Start to make it about someone who maybe, maybe they're doing things a little bit tougher than you. And you're, I, I'm so proud of our youth leaders who every Friday night get in their car and drive around and pick up young people and bring them to youth. And then they're, they're out until 10 and 10.30 at night dro dropping our young people home because they've made a decision. It's not about me. It's about somebody else. And I want us to have that same mentality. Why don't we close our eyes here tonight? You'll discover your purpose when you start to think it's about other people. When the question that we ask ourselves is, who am I bringing? Who am I carrying? Who am I reaching out to? And I'm asking, I'm just, I'm asking Holy Spirit that in this atmosphere, in this room right now, that you would help us be bringers carriers people who are committed to others for, the be for their best the Bible says this those who lay down their life will find it you make your life about somebody else you'll find it Holy Spirit I'm asking you to help each one of us to find a, a group that we can be part of I'm asking that you to help 
each one of us in this room right now think of somebody else who we can carry, who we can encourage, who we can gather with. That across our church, there'd be such a great sense of community as we come together on Sundays and as we gather in homes and cafes and youth, all, all around the places we gather together in groups. You would be there. Miracles would happen. Lives would be transformed. Asking in the name of Jesus. As while we're coming to a close, right across this room with your eyes closed. You might be here tonight and your healing, you, you might be like, John, I feel quite crippled. Might be from any, anything I've described. I feel like I'm not living life at the full. Can I suggest to you that's because you need a relationship with God? Can I suggest to you that God loves you so much. He wants the best for you. He, he's like knocking to get into your life. And you won't re really fully live the life that you're intended to live until you let God in. It's so simple. You can feel like God's a million miles away. He's not. He's just a prayer away. If you open up your heart, say, God, would you come into my heart? It's just a prayer away. I've watched what happens in people's lives when they submit their lives to their Creator. When they start saying, God, okay, I've tried it my way, now I'm going to do it your way. When they pray a simple prayer, I've watched the transformation that happens. It's, it's miraculous. It's powerful. And I'd love that for you tonight. I'd love for you to take a step towards God and experience His love and the change that He can bring in your heart. And so what I'm going to do in a moment, I'm going to ask if you're saying, John, I want to begin a relationship with God tonight. In a moment, I'm just going to ask you simply to raise your hand and I'm going to lead us in a prayer in our seats that we'll all pray together. And that, will, that simple prayer will be the beginning of a powerful transformation. Maybe you once prayed a prayer like that and you've drifted away from God. And you, you didn't stop believing in God. But you just, you find yourself, He's not the center. You've, you've, you've just kind of got off track. You've lost the joy that you used to have. Lost that purpose. Tonight it's time to come back to Him. I'd love you in a moment, if that's you saying, John, I need to come back to God tonight. In a moment, I'd love you to raise your hand say, and be included in this prayer. Maybe you're just here tonight and you're not sure. You're not sure if when you die, you're going to go to heaven. That's way too important to not be sure about. You could have questions. The questions can be like, well, I, I'm kind of a good person. Does that get me in? I believe in God. Does that get me to heaven? What gets us to heaven is when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy One, the Son of God, who died on a cross in our place. And when we put our faith in Him, He fills us in our heart with a confidence, a peace that we're going to heaven. And I'd love you to have that confidence and peace here tonight. It'll change everything when you have that assurance. So right across the room right now, if this is you, if you're saying, John, I want that relationship with God, or I want to come back to Him because I've drifted away from Him, or I want to be sure I'm going to heaven, I want you right now in your seat just to raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to come back to God. Wherever you are, would you just raise your hand right now because we're going to pray together in a moment. Say, that's me tonight. I want to reconnect with God. If that's you, just raise your hand and say, that's me. I want that relationship you're talking about. 
I want to reconnect with Christ or I want to be sure I'm going for heaven. I'd love to include you in this prayer in a moment if that's you. Your heart will be pounding because God talks to our heart. He doesn't talk to our mind. It's not, a, it's not a mental process we go through to, to work out that this is the logical next step. God actually talks to our heart. You'll hear a sense, a, a pulling, a drawing in your heart that this is the right thing for you. And if you'll surrender to it, everything will begin to change. So I'm just going to wait one more moment. If that's you, just raise your hand because we're going to pray together right across this room. Wonderful, wonderful. Father, I thank you. Lord, that we can be bringers of people. Lord, I'm asking that you would help us with our friends who don't know you to bring them to the house of God, that your love can transform their lives. God, I'm asking that we can get around those, those around us to bring them into groups and see your work and your love begin to transform them. I thank you for what you're doing here in this church. I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. I give you glory and honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet? I'm going to throw back to Ebony as we finish up. God bless you.